Woodland Church, have you enjoyed watching the Olympics over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's been pretty fun, hasn't it? I mean, I love the Olympic moments. Now, I've really enjoyed watching the Olympics because I love seeing athletes when they are on the biggest stage at the most critical moment, and that's the Olympics. I love watching the athletes compete on the biggest stage in their Olympic moment, and for most of them, the Olympic moment is really brief, like the 100-meter race that lasts less than 10 seconds. And we see the athletes for 10 seconds on the big stage of the Olympic finals, and what we don't see is behind the curtain of the big stage where they have been training and competing in events all over the world for the last five years. And most of us never watch until they come through the curtain of obscurity onto the world stage with millions watching for 10 seconds. And that's their Olympic moment. Succeed or fail in those 10 seconds. Now we rarely see behind the curtain of the big stage, but this year, Probably the biggest and most talked about Olympic moment was a behind the curtain moment. When on the Olympic stage, Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast of all time, revealed what had been going on in her training behind the curtain. She unveiled her struggle with anxiety in practice that had made it dangerous to her mental and physical health to continue to compete. And it was a really courageous decision for the greatest of all time to reveal that she too is human and much more than just a gymnast. Now, of course, like everything else today, it created controversy, as Biles was both praised and mocked on social media. And what really frustrated me, uh, and I just had to laugh about it, was some of the old guys my age that were on social media saying, well, if I were Simone Biles, I wouldn't have quit. If I were Simone Biles, I would have just competed. Even if I died, I would have done it. First, I want to say, you will never be Simone Biles, okay? And secondly, the only time you've ever experienced the twisties was when your underwear crept up on you a little bit when you're playing golf, okay? And so, but we're so quick, you know, to give our opinions. And as someone who struggled with panic attacks and anxiety, I can relate somewhat, though I've never launched myself into the air, turned several flips while trying to land perfectly instead of landing on my head and breaking my neck in front of millions of people watching all over the world. I think most of us cannot relate. But Bile's courageous Olympic moment, let us see behind the curtain. And remember, these great athletes struggle with stuff just like we do. And so today, I want us to look at an Olympic moment that every one of us will have to face the moment of truth, when you either open up the curtain of your life and unveil your struggles and your fears, your weaknesses and your failures, and you let people in, or you close it off, and you never open up that curtain and you miss out on being completely known and completely loved. What I'm talking about is the greatest risk you will ever take in your life, and that's the risk of being completely known. I want us to open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to see that even Moses, this great man of God, struggled with this. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, and just follow along with me. In the New Testament, 
Paul talks about what Moses did, what it really means, and what it means for us. With that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away, and they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then, and they don't notice it now. Don't notice that there's nothing left behind that veil. Even today, when the proclamations of that old bankrupt government are read out, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil so they can see for themselves that there's nothing there. Whenever, though, they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Dear God, I pray today that you just break through hearts, that you just break through minds, that you'd open all of our eyes to really see what life can be, that we can live life without veils, that we can open up, Lord, the curtain of our life and allow people to see our struggles and our fears and our hearts. And Lord, we can only do that because of you. And so many times, Lord, we hide and we miss out on all that you have for us. And I know we can't hide from you, God. You know everything about us. You see right into our hearts. And I pray over the next few moments that you would just reveal that to everyone within the sound of my voice, whether they're at one of our satellites or they're here at the Woodlands campus or they're worshiping with us online or through our broadcast ministry around the world. Let them know, Lord, that you know right where they're at and you know everything about them, everything they're going through. And Lord, you love them no matter what. Lord, I thank you for that, that you know everything about us. You know us better than anyone because you know us completely and you love us completely. Lord, I pray that you would just break through right now hearts and minds and just bring about your miracle, Lord, of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Now we're gonna study this passage and see a time when Moses, the great leader of the Israelites, wanted to hide his humanness. He didn't wanna let anyone behind the curtain of his life to know who he really was. And it kept him from experiencing a deeper communication with God, a deeper connection with the people around him. You see, the Bible says that Moses at that time was the most humble man on the earth. So here's Moses, this great leader, and he's also really humble because he knew he was an ordinary guy, but he trusted in an extraordinary God, and God did extraordinary miracles through his life, and God raised him up to be this great leader, but Moses knew he was just an ordinary, imperfect guy, but he had learned to put all of his trust in this extraordinary, perfect God. But for a brief moment, Moses put on a veil, a veil of pretending. He put on this mask that masked who he really was. 
and it kept him from a deeper connection with the Lord. The good news is he finally took it off and went back to being Moses, the ordinary guy who trusted in an extraordinary God. And he again felt the deep connection from God and others. And if the most humble man on earth struggles, struggled here with pride, not wanting to reveal his struggles, his ordinariness, not wanting to reveal his weakness, then we all have to really take a good look at this because every one of us struggle with this. The greatest risk you'll ever take is to be known. It's the greatest risk you'll ever take to really walk from behind the curtain of your life and open up the curtain and let everyone see who you really are so they can know you. It's the greatest risk you'll ever take because if you let people truly know you, you're gonna get rejected at times. You're gonna have people who reject. If you really let people know your true feelings, they're gonna be people that disagree with you and they're gonna reject you. If you really let people know your fears, if you really let people know your faults and your failures, there's gonna be people that reject you. But you have to open up the curtain of your life and let people see the real you so you can be totally known because it's the only way you can be totally loved. You can only be loved to the extent that you're known. And you can only be completely loved if you are completely known. Did you get that? Might wanna write that down. Did you really get that? You can only be completely loved if you're completely known. I love how this passage toward the end says, nothing between us and God. So powerful. Nothing between us and God. Nothing stands between us. You see, that's why God can love you completely and perfectly because he knows everything about you. No one else knows everything about you. But God knows everything about me, the good, bad, and the ugly, and that's why he can love me completely because he knows me completely. Now, I can lie to myself. He knows me better than I know myself. Uh, we can try to hide things from God, but you can't hide anything from God. God sees right into your heart. He knows my motives when I don't even know what my motives are sometimes. He knows everything about you. And that's why he can love you completely. But what he wants for us in our close relationships is what the Bible calls fellowship. The word fellowship is that deepest level of love. It's, it's loving and being loved at the deepest level. It's what you were made for. The problem is we in our flesh are all flawed. Every one of us in our flesh are flawed. And when we try to go to this deep level in a relationship with another flawed person, when we try to go to this deep level of relationship with other flawed people, it's risky. It is so risky because we're all flawed, but we want to hide those flaws. We want to hide those weaknesses, but that keeps people from really knowing us. And it is really a barrier to being loved. And God made you to love you. God made you to be in fellowship as a Christ follower with others who are learning how to love and be loved at the deepest level. That's what God wants for us to be known and to be loved. But usually we decide to hide. We try to hide all the ugly stuff behind the curtain. And we try to 
hide all of the weaknesses and all the mistakes and sins and failures. We try to hide our struggles behind the curtain of our lives. And we don't want anyone to really see what we're like because we think if they get too close to me, they'll know what I'm really like and they may reject me. And so we oftentimes hide all the struggles behind the curtain of our lives and it keeps people at a distance. It keeps people from getting close to us. But the truth is, none of us have it all together, except on social media. We can have it all together, you know? A few pics on social media can look like we have it all together. But none of us have it all together. And Moses had to take off the veil, and so do we. And that's the greatest risk you'll ever take, is that Olympic moment, that moment of truth, when you choose to take off the veil and admit, first, your struggles. First, I have to unveil my struggles. To be known and to be loved, I have to unveil my struggles. In 2 Corinthians 3.13, let's go back and look at this passage. It says, he, Moses, wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading. So Moses met God on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. When he came back from the mountain after meeting with God face to face, his face was shining with the glory of God. And people were really impressed. In fact, the news spread across the Israelite camp. Have you seen our leader, Moses? Have you seen Moses lately? I mean, he's so spiritual, his face is glowing. I mean, you can barely look into his eyes because his face is shining so bright, it's blinding. Have you seen Moses? It's so impressive. You gotta see Moses. It's amazing. His face is shining like God. It's unbelievable how spiritual he is now. And they were really impressed. And so Moses, so people would stop talking about it, and so that he could actually talk to people without blinding them, he put a veil over his face. So his motives were really good at first. But one day, Moses wakes up, he looks in the mirror, and he noticed that his face wasn't as bright as it was the day before. He notices that, that shine on his face, that, uh, that glory of God that was on his face is fading away. But he leaves the veil on, Paul tells us, in Corinthians here, he leaves the veil on. Why did he do that? Because he wanted the people to think that his face was still shining brightly. He wanted people to think he was more spiritual than he was. He wanted people to think that he had it all together a lot more than he did. So he kept wearing the veil. The veil turned into a mask where he mask his ordinariness. And we don't know how long Moses wore that veil after his face stopped shining, but what a relief it must have been when Moses took off the veil and went back to being ordinary Moses, trusting in an extraordinary God. The pressure must have come off right away. That connection with the Lord God and his love, he must have felt it right away. And people then could see the power of God in his life again. We all use veils as masks at times to hide behind. Some people hide behind a mask of humor to hide the deep sadness in their soul. Some people use the mask of success and accomplishments at work to hide their deep fear of failure. Some people use the mask of intelligence 
and throw that out there to keep people from really getting to know their heart and the simple need that they have to be loved. Some people use, and a lot of us as pastors use this, spirituality as a mask. We hide behind the spirituality to keep people at a distance, you know, and we pastors who use big words and, and we'll talk at a really powerful tone, Jesus saves you. I mean, nobody talks like a pastor, do they? You can talk real spiritual, you can use big words, but it doesn't really matter. It's all about what's on the inside. But when you start going to deeper levels in a relationship, here's the deal. When you start going to a deeper level in any relationship, what happens is the struggles that you tried to hide behind the curtain of your life, you can't keep them hidden anymore. The deeper you go, the more they are gonna be revealed. When you start going to deeper levels in any relationship, you can't hide your struggles because deep relationships bring them out into the open. And that's the way God wants it to be. It's kind of like scales. You know, we have this love-hate relationship with scales. We have a, a scale in our bathroom and, you know, it's like something about it draws me, step on it, and I never like what it tells me. Never like what it tells me. It can't be real accurate. It just can't be. And we have this love-hate relationship with scales, but they reveal a lot. And a lot of times we don't like what they reveal. Now they have all the percent body fat calipers and apps and all these things to tell you that. I don't need that one. I don't need to know that. You know, they, they, they reveal too much. Of course, author Ken Davis says he invented a less expensive way to measure body fat. And I kind of like this one. He says, next time you get out of the shower, grab a stopwatch and stand in front of a full-length mirror, totally naked. Start the watch and stomp your foot on the floor as hard as you can. When stuff stops moving, punch the watch and check the time. That's how you know your body fat there. He says he's down to two days, three hours, and, and six minutes right now. Check that out. But deep relationships are really a lot like scales because they reveal a lot. You can no longer hide your struggles and your faults when you're in a deep relationship. Eventually they come out. But I love 2 Corinthians 3, 12. It says, with that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. Paul's saying because of Jesus, we don't have to wear a veil. We can admit our struggles. We can take off the mask. We can admit we don't have it all together. We can admit the struggles, especially in church. We can admit our struggles and we can encourage each other and pray for each other. We can admit our brokenness. We can admit our failures and sins. With that kind of hope, nothing holds us back. We got nothing to hide because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Years ago, Chris and I got our diving certificate, our scuba diving certificate, and one of the things that you had to do to get your diving certificate is an open water dive where we did a dive in the ocean and had to go 40 feet down, and then on the bottom, we had to take off our mask. This is one of the skills that you had to prove that you could do is take off your mask and then be able to put your mask back on. And, and the interesting thing is when you take off your mask in the ocean in 40 feet of water, it feels really strange because the water kind of rushes into your nose and 
You can't see anything, which is an eerie feeling in the ocean. But after a couple of seconds, you stop feeling panicky because you realize you're still breathing. Your regulator's still in your mouth. You're still breathing. You're fine. Just take your time. Don't panic and put the mask back on and it's all good. And to really be able to do that, it's just a real simple skill. You have to know that you're safe, that you're gonna be safe. Whether you feel safe for the first second or not, you know you're safe, that it's okay. And that's the way it is with taking off your mask in life. You've gotta know that you're safe, and you're safe in Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us on the cross. You see, the God who knows everything about me loves me perfectly, so I can risk unveiling my struggles because he already accepts me completely. He's totally forgiven me. And so when I realize the God of the universe loves me completely and knows everything about me, then I can risk revealing my struggles. I don't have to walk through this life alone, feeling like I've got to hold all these struggles in, feeling like I've got to carry this burden alone. No, God never intended for you to be a Lone Ranger Christian. We're to be able to unload our burdens on each other, pray for each other, and lift each other up. But you have to risk rejection to find acceptance. Yeah, I don't know how many people rejected Simone Biles after that, but it's probably about half and half. This is the way the world is. Everybody's ready to judge. Just the way the world is. But you have to risk rejection in order to find acceptance. Jesus Christ had to risk rejection in order to give us salvation. And he risked rejection. He gave us the right to choose whether or not we want to love him back. He loves you completely, but you get to choose whether or not you love him back. You can choose to reject him. You can choose not to believe he exists. You, you can choose to curse his name. He gives us that choice. And so whenever you unveil, whenever you take the mask off, whenever you open up the curtain of your life and let someone behind the scenes to get to know you a little better, you, you take a risk, but it's the risk worth taking because the reward so outweighs the risk. You start discovering what you're made for. And it's interesting that we can impress people with our veils, the veil of success, veil of humor, veil, all these veils. We can impress people with our veils, but we can't inspire or influence people. And the strange thing is, we wear veils in order to influence and impress people, but when we take our veil off, people are drawn to us. Isn't that amazing? We're drawn to people who live life without veils, who what you see is what you get. But yet it's just human nature in our flesh that wants to hide. When God says, I want you to live a life that's unveiled. So I have to unveil my struggles. But secondly, I need to unveil my heart. I've gotta unveil my heart. In marriage, the Bible says the secret to becoming soulmates at the deepest level is found in the art of unveiling. Now I gotta say, some of you guys, it's not the art of unveiling that some of you guys are thinking that I'm talking about. You know, some of you guys are going, well, I unveil to her all the time and she's not impressed. In fact, it gives her a headache. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm not talking about unveiling your body, I'm talking about unveiling your heart, unveiling your soul, because the only way you become soulmates is to unveil your soul. Until you unveil your soul, you can't become soulmates in the marriage relationship. In Genesis 2.25, it's one of the most profound verses in all of scripture. 
It says the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. Adam and Eve were both completely unveiled in the perfect garden of Eden. And of course, the Bible's saying sexual intimacy in the marriage relationship is not something to be ashamed of. It's something to celebrate and to enjoy in the marriage relationship. Uh, But really, this verse is saying so much more than that. It's a picture of total acceptance. They had nothing to hide. They weren't holding anything back. They were completely known and completely loved. But then sin entered the relationship. And this is the first time a veil is mentioned in the Bible. In Genesis 3, 7, it says, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So before the fall, they are naked and felt no shame. And after sin enters a relationship, they feel completely vulnerable with each other. And they're afraid of rejection. So they sew fig leaves together out of their shame to cover up. And not just to cover their bodies, Figuratively, they were veiling their hearts. And the Bible uses the word heart to describe our desires, our internal motivations, our emotions, our true feelings. And we all start out in life with unveiled hearts. You see a child, and what's on their face is what's in their heart. Have you noticed that? Their their emotions, you know, they they don't even try to to veil their hearts when you see a child who's happy, you just see it on their face. When you see one that's sad, they show it on their face. If a child is angry, you know it on their face and their whole body. But as we go through life, we learn to manage our faces. We learn to veil our faces to protect our hearts so that we can smile. Our face can smile while our hearts are bleeding on the inside. Our faces can laugh while our hearts are weeping. We learn to manage our faces and veil our faces to veil our hearts. And so God wants us to learn how to unveil our hearts. Now, usually, I think I'm like a lot of guys that that I don't, I have a little trouble getting out my real emotions I'm doing better, you know, every year I get a little better and a little better, but, you know, it just doesn't come naturally for me to just reveal my heart. And so I've always worked at it. I'm still working at unveiling my heart, my real emotions and my true feelings. and, And I found that it's a lot easier for me to reveal happy feelings, joyful feelings, good feelings than it is for me to reveal bad feelings, especially hurt feelings. You see, we get scared of hurt feelings. One of the reasons why we're scared to have hurt feelings is because we think if I admit I'm hurt, if we recognize that we are hurt, then that's giving someone else power and control over us. And so we don't like to admit when we're hurt. A lot of times Christ followers struggle with this. It's like, no, they can't hurt me. I'm not hurt. I'm okay. And we pretend like we're not hurt. We don't even realize we're hurt a lot of times when we're bleeding on the inside and we don't even know it because we push it off and don't recognize it. And so a lot of times we struggle and we get really afraid of our hurt feelings and sharing our hurt feelings. But sometimes God allows the hurt to get so bad that you can't hide it anymore. And that's for our own good. 
Sometimes God allows the pain to get so bad that everyone's got to know. This last July 4th weekend, our family went up to the hill country for the weekend. And, you know, in the hill country, they have something called scorpions. And in the house, we found a dead scorpion. And everyone's going, ooh, scorpions, ooh. And I go, just be careful, you know, look in your suitcase. Supposed to have sprayed around here, you know, I'm sure they do. And don't worry about the scorpions. And I just really play it down because I don't want them to be afraid. You know, I don't want to be thinking about scorpions. And, and so I just play it down. But then the next morning I wake up and then I, I grab my shorts. I grab a pair of shorts that are right next to my suitcase and I put them on and I felt the sting right on the inside of my thigh right away. I'm going, what was that? And then I take my shorts off and this huge scorpion crawls out of my shorts. Chris thought it was the funniest thing she'd ever seen. God's wrath. Yeah, I, but I was like, what in the world? You know, and I, I screamed, what? Scorpion! You know, and I, I, I smashed it with my shoe and went flying up in the air. We couldn't find it forever. You know, it was just a dramatic scene. And, and then I, I was like, we better not tell anyone what just happened. Take me to the hospital. Don't tell anyone what just happened. And everybody was coming in. What's going on in there? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, I, I, you know, I couldn't hold it in. You, you get stung by a scorpion. Put a scorpion in your shorts and we'll see what happens. I survived, as you can tell. It really wasn't bad at all. But, um, but sometimes God allows you to get stung. God will allow you to get burned. God will allow you to get hurt so you can no longer hold the pain in. And everyone can see it coming out of your life. And we've all been there because God doesn't want you to carry the pain alone. He wants us to be able to express our hurt feelings. Another type of feeling we're afraid of is angry feelings. A lot of Christians are really afraid of angry feelings. We're afraid to deal. We don't want to admit it when we're angry because that kind of means that someone else is making an impact on our lives. So we don't want to really admit those angry feelings. But God says we have to admit those angry feelings. Now, usually when it comes to anger in a close relationship, they're exploders and stuffers. Now, in marriage, it's usually an exploder's married to a stuffer. The exploder is the one that when they get angry, they just blow up and just, it, just explode, and they feel a little better, and everyone else feels devastated. And then you've got the stuffers, you know, they just keep stuffing it down and stuffing it down and stuffing it down and stuffing it down until finally they can't stuff it down anymore. And it becomes the poison of bitterness over time. And so both of those ways are destructive. There's ways to deepen your relationship through anger, and there's ways to destroy your relationship through anger. And exploding and stuffing are both ways to destroy. But you have to unveil your angry feelings. And it's better to get right down to the root cause of it. And usually it's hurt or fear or frustration. And just say, I felt hurt when you did that. I felt hurt. You know, I felt frustrated. I feel insecure when you do that. And being vulnerable, that usually opens things up to talk about the root issue. But you have to unveil your angry feelings to get to intimacy. In a marriage or closeness in a friendship, 
And it's always awkward to me to unveil hurt feelings, to unveil angry feelings, but you have to risk awkwardness to find true unity. Every time I've shared hurt feelings, every time I have shared angry feelings, every time I share my true feelings and my true heart, it usually feels really awkward for me. I think I'm a pretty normal guy in that. It feels awkward to me, but I have to risk that awkwardness to find true unity because it's the only way. And by the way, whenever you unveil your heart, you're gonna have conflict. It's just the way it is, and you have to risk conflict to find true intimacy. You have to go through the tunnel of conflict, like Scott Peck says, that in any relationship, if there's no conflict, that just means that someone's not telling the truth. If there's never any conflict, what that means is you're in a superficial relationship. The best marriages are not those that never have conflict. Those are superficial. And the best marriages are not those that have conflict all the time. They're those that have conflict and know how to work through the conflict to get to the other side, intimacy. But what happens is whenever you start sharing your true heart and your feelings and your hurts and your anger, you're gonna have conflict. And you go into the tunnel of conflict, but what happens is I usually wanna step out of the tunnel of conflict. I mean, it's awkward. It doesn't feel good. I'm in the tunnel of conflict and I wanna just step right out of it and come right back to superficial but what you have to do is stay in the tunnel of conflict and stay in it and stay in it and stay in it until you get to the other side, which is intimacy. The, con- the tunnel of conflict leads to intimacy. And there are many times in your life with deep friendships that you'll have to go through the tunnel of conflict, many issues, if you care enough. Anger just means you care about the relationship. You care enough to get angry. You care enough to express your heart. And so, There'll be many times in a friendship where you have to go through the tunnel of conflict because you're sharing your true heart, you're known, and you disagree, and you work through it, and you come on the other side with intimacy. And there will be many, many times in a marriage relationship where you go into the tunnel of conflict, and you have to decide, am I going to keep going through until we get to the other side on this issue, and we have intimacy, fully known and fully loved. There'll be many times you'll go through a tunnel of conflict and you'll always feel awkward. You'll always wanna move out of the tunnel of conflict and go back to superficiality. That's better, superficiality is better, but God says, no, that's the only way. You gotta go through this to get to intimacy. And so I unveil my struggles, I unveil my heart, and then thirdly, I unveil my fears. Fear is the real reason we wear veils, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of what people think about us. The greatest barrier to intimacy is my hidden insecurities. That's the greatest barrier to intimacy, to closeness in any friendship, intimacy in any marriage relationship is my insecurities. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, love contains no fear. Indeed, fully developed love expels every particle of fear. For fear always contains some of the torture of feeling guilty. This means that the man who lives in fear has not yet had his love perfected. Did you know the opposite of love is not hate? The opposite of love is fear. It says that fear is the barrier to love because fear is the barrier to being known. And you can't be completely loved until you're completely known. And the more you're known, the more you're loved. And so fear is what keeps us from experiencing the love that God has for us. 
and the love that God wants us to experience in fellowship, loving and being loved at the deepest level. And so when I experience fear, you, you can't help it when you feel fear in your life. You're gonna feel the fear of rejection. Can't help that. It's just part of how we're wired up. Those fears that fight or flight is gonna come right in. You gotta feel that. Once you feel that, then you push in to Christ's love. That the one who loves you completely has accepted you and loves you. The one who knows everything about you. When you come to him, he's forgiven you and given you a place in heaven. And he says you're worth dying for. And so once you push into Christ's love, you push out of shame and into his love. And then you can risk loving others even if you get rejected. I can risk loving you even if you reject me because I know I'm totally loved by the one that matters the most, the God of the universe. And that changes everything. Back to Moses and the veil again. In 2 Corinthians chapter three, only Christ can get rid of the veil. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. Only Jesus Christ can get rid of the veil. And what he did on the cross when he took all of our sins and our shame and regrets on the cross, only Christ can get rid of the veil so that we can stand face to face with God because of Jesus Christ, making a way to perfect God for us. Nothing between us and God anymore. Now, the enemy will try to convince you to live with the veil. You need to veil your struggles. You need to veil all your weaknesses. You can fix it on your own. You don't need to tell anybody about it. You don't need to talk to anybody about it. You just hold it in and you can work it out on your own. It's gonna be okay. You can't talk to a Christian brother or Christian sister about what you're going through. You just need to fix it on your own. And Satan will always tell you you're the only one going through that struggle. You're the only one experiencing this. You're the only one. And so you're all alone. And that's such a lie. When we have a church family, and I can tell you one thing about our church, we have a church family. That's one of the good things about a big church is I guarantee you there are others, many others, that are going through the same struggle you're going through right now. And there are many who have been through the struggle you're going through and have come out of the other side with victory who can be there to help and encourage you, not to judge, but to be there for you, to help you, to help you find the victory that God wants you to have. And so Satan will say, you're the only one. You better not reveal it to anybody. Everyone here is perfect. They've got it made. They don't have the struggles you have. And that's such a lie of Satan. When God says in the Christian life, it's all about living unveiled, all about being able to unveil and know that you're totally accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ and in your struggles that God wants to give you his strength and he always uses others. That's how he works. People in your life. When Jesus died on the cross, he died to tear apart the veil of fear once and for all. A fear, embarrassment, shame, judgment, in Matthew 27, 50, it says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Now the veil of the temple was that huge curtain that hung from the ceiling all the way to the floor and it separated the Holy of Holies 
where God's presence dwelt from the rest of the temple. And so that huge veil separated holy, perfect God from imperfect and sinful humankind. But at the very moment Jesus Christ died on that cross, the veil of the temple was ripped in two and it was destroyed forever. And now there's nothing that separates us from perfect, holy God, not our sins because they're washed away because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not our fears. There's nothing, no shame can keep us from coming into God's presence. There's no veil, and yet I see so many Christ followers stitching the veil back together and wearing these veils and acting like we got it all together when none of us do. And so many times in my life, that's the way I've been, you know, believe Satan's lies. I can fix this on my own. I don't need someone else to help me with this. I can do this on my own. And how's that worked out? Not very well. God will allow the pain, though, to get so great that it'll eat through the wall of your denial. So you have to come back to the cross to experience his complete love. Hey, he knows everything about you. You can't fool God. He knows everything about me. I can't fool God, and yet he loves me perfectly. That's amazing grace. Christ died. So the veil was torn in two, and it's gone. It's destroyed, so we can live lives with unveiled faces. We can live lives without that barrier between us and God, without a barrier between us and others. And we can unveil our struggles, we can unveil our fears and insecurities. We can unveil our hearts and live the way God meant for us to live. But it'll mean some rejection. It'll mean some risk. It'll mean some awkwardness but are you ready to live the way God meant for you to live? No more masks, no more veils, no more curtains. Totally living in God's love. The greatest risk you'll ever take is living unveiled. The greatest risk you'll ever take. And how do you do it? First, you get honest with God and you admit to God your struggles and your sins and your faults and and then you get honest with yourself, and that may be the hardest one. You get honest with yourself and what you're struggling with and what your fears are and what your weaknesses are. And you get honest with some others. And you grow together. And you keep looking to Jesus. And you keep pushing into his grace. And you keep experiencing his victory one day at a time. It's the greatest risk you'll ever take, but I'm telling you, it's the greatest reward there ever is. To be known and to be loved. To be known and to be loved. That's the only way to live. That's the way you were made to live. But I'm afraid most people, most people go through their entire life without anyone ever really knowing them. Thinking that they can't reveal themselves really reveal themselves to anyone in this world because if they do, they'll be rejected. Thinking their sins are too gross, thinking that their fears are too great, thinking that their struggles are just too unique and they go through their whole life without ever being known 
That's the saddest thing that I can ever think of, to go through your whole life without at least one person totally knowing you. God knows you, and that should give you the strength to be known. I want us to bow our heads right now. Dear Lord, I know that there's so many in this place and in our satellites and watching online. Lord, they want to be known and they want to experience real love, but it's scary. It's scary, Lord, to be known. It's scary. And so many times, Lord, I just want to hide. But I know the greatest risk I'll ever take is just decide to decide not to hide. And Lord, help us just keep stepping into the light. I pray for those, Lord, today that just need to get honest with you and admit they need you to save them, that you, Lord Jesus, would just put it on their hearts to pray this prayer silently to you right now. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit it. I need your forgiveness of all my sins. I'm not sure that I've ever gotten to settle, but I want to settle it right now. I ask you to forgive me and come into my life through your Holy Spirit. Change me from the inside out. Be the Lord of my life. I accept your free gift of salvation in heaven. I ask you, Lord, to help me grow in my faith. And Lord, I just pray for everyone here who has such a desire to be loved, that you would help us, Lord, learn how to take steps into the light. We thank you, Lord, you love us completely. Even through our greatest mess, you can turn it into our greatest message. Even, Lord, in our greatest pain, you can turn it into our greatest purpose. And I thank you for that. And you, Lord, do that. I pray that you would do that right now. And you would help us, Lord Jesus, realize that we can tell someone else what we're going through. Lord, I think that Satan's biggest lie is to say, look around and see this is a happy church. Everybody's happy. They don't have any problems. Well, Lord, I know that everyone is hurting. Everyone has a hidden hurt. But Lord, I pray that we would all admit them so that we can experience healing and strength and grace and community and fellowship like you intended. I thank you, Lord, that this church is not a, a courthouse of judgment, but this is a hospital for sinners. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your grace, your forgiveness, and your love. Just bring healing, Lord, right now in marriages and in families and in hearts and in lives and friendships, Lord. Just smash down all the barriers that the enemy has put up that would keep people from really being known and being loved. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.